Good afternoon and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC, Southern California and beyond. Live from Los Angeles, I'm Fernando Cienfuegos. On today's show, we recap what went down between President Trump and former Vice President Biden at last night's debate, how the pandemic is affecting students studying to become doctors, and we check in with a loyal LA Dodgers fan on what this unusual baseball season means to her. But first, these news headlines. presidential debate occurred last night in Cleveland and featured insults, interruption, and anger. President Donald Trump and Joe Biden began the first U.S. presidential debate with heated exchanges over coronavirus, race relations, and election integrity. The moderator struggled to maintain control of the 90-minute affair. California wildfires continue to rage. Cal Fire said the Zog Fire in Shasta and Tahoma counties grew overnight and is less than 10% contained. Four civilians have died in the fire. The glass fire grew to some 50,000 acres. It has burned at least 90 houses and has forced about 70,000 residents to evacuate. That fire is only 2% contained. Unseasonably hot weather and dry ground and a dry ground are a dangerous combination fueling the flames. California state lawmakers approved a bill today to look into proposals for reparations for slavery. California is the first state in the nation to do this. Disney is laying off 28,000 people in the United States as the coronavirus pandemic hammers its parks and resorts business. The company said about two thirds of the employees laid off are part-time workers. Disneyland and Anaheim originally planned to reopen last July, but that reopening has been delayed indefinitely. Those are some of the top headlines today. For Annenberg Media, I'm Carolyn Casera. At the first presidential debate last night in, in Cleveland, President Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden faced off. Historically, debates have been a helpful way for the public to get a sense of where candidates stand on certain issues. But the string of insults and interruptions made much of the conversation nearly impossible to follow. Annie Way wanted to know whether last night's debate swayed any USC voters to change who they plan to select on the ballot. Stephanie Caramon is a design major at USC. She supports Joe Biden, but was disappointed last night. The debate was very ridiculous. I am worried for the future of our country because I really don't know who's going to win. It really did feel like it was two children just fighting with one another. I wanted to vote for Biden, and after the debate, I still want to vote for Biden. But honestly, I, I also feel like Biden he spent a lot of his time just talking about what Trump is doing wrong, and he tried to appeal more to people's emotions through his rhetoric by his way of speaking rather than being insightful what his plans are. Insight was sorely lacking that night. Instead, the two candidates talked over and insulted each other. Many critics say it was the worst debate in American history. I'm leaning towards Trump, but I'm, I'm undecided. USC student Jack Patton is the chair of the USC College Republicans. The club had a virtual watch party. 
Jack felt both candidates performed poorly. The debate did nothing to help me figure that out. I there was there was nothing of substance in the debate. It, it, it was just an hour and a half of two candidates yelling at each other. I, I'm hoping to see civility. I'm hoping to see actual policy conversations between the two candidates about their actual plans for the country, about what they actually want to accomplish. U.S.C. psychology major Selma Rafik says Trump does not address important issues. I want to vote for Biden. The Democratic debate did not change my mind. If anything, it solidified my choice uh, for Biden for president.、Um, I'm not disappointed in Biden because he. I think he conducted himself in a pretty mature way. His opponent was very immature and bringing up very personal topics, which I thought was uncalled for and inappropriate. I worry about America's future definitely, because the president of the United States did not denounce white supremacy. If anything, he pretty much told them, "Wait,、uh, your turn." I do not condone、um, a president who supports xenophobic ideologies, or Islamophobia, or violent groups. The Commission on Presidential Debate announced today that additional structures should be added to the format of the remaining debate to ensure a more orderly discussion of the issues. The next meeting between President Trump and Joe Biden is scheduled to take place on October 15 in Miami. For Anabel Media, I'm Anyway. While many shocking words were exchanged on the debate stage, like Joe Biden telling President Trump to "shut up, man." A key moment was President Trump did not overtly denounce white supremacy when prompted by debate moderator Chris Wallace. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups,、yeah. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland?、Sure, Are you、I'm、prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I would ahead, say、sir. I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing. Not from the right、so、way. So what are you? What、If、are you? you look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say、I'm, it. Do it. Say it. I caught up with USC politics anchor Luke Scorzell and asked him why he thinks Trump did not denounce white supremacy. If you look at who Trump is trying to appeal to and his base, he has this stream of communication that the media is out to get him, and so he creates these moments that say. Well, Trump is like not condemning white supremacists. He must be racist, and so then he uses that as fuel for his fire. I think to、um, really go back to his supporters and say, "Look, I didn't necessarily say I'm like for them, but I didn't say I'm against them,、uh, and now they're calling me a racist for it." And so I think that's、uh, really his strategy here. What does it mean for these sort of phrases to just kind of be let out, and and、uh, what repercussions is it going to have on? His campaign on our election,、um, and and as the nation as a whole, yeah, repercussions on his campaign. I would say almost none. I think that things are baked into the cake at this point with Trump,、um, for the most part. I think there are some voters that are in between,、um, but I mean, he said stuff like this before. He's one of the most unique candidates in history because he can say things like this and not really face repercussions that other candidates would if they said even one thing like that.、Um, I think it's toxic for our politics. I think this whole thing is is not good for our politics.、Um, we are moving away from the sense of togetherness that we are one American people, and moving into the sense of there are two distinct groups.、Um, 
But yeah, the more we have language that really demonizes the other side that does isn't willing to condemn extremist groups because they could be a part of our voter base, um, the worse I think our politics are going to get and the more we're going to see of this in the future. Um, and I'm not 100% sure what will stop that from happening. Um, but yeah, I think that Trump relies on this polarizing rhetoric and he's willing to go out and not condemn explicitly white supremacists um, in order to get more support from his base. President Trump was asked about the comments he made during the debate that seemed to tell the right-wing extremist group, the Proud Boys, to stand back and stand by. President Trump said today that he didn't know the group. As if medical school wasn't hard enough, try doing it during a global pandemic. As Savannah Welch reports, today's aspiring doctors have all kinds of new decisions to make. University students and health and science programs directly see the impact of the pandemic, both inside and outside of the classroom. If anything, the global health crisis acts as a reminder of the importance of their work. Anderson Way is a senior at Southern Methodist University. COVID-19 has reinforced his decision to pursue a medical degree. If anything, this is more like a call to arms for me to enter the medical field. It reminded me why I wanted to go in here in the first place. Um, this pandemic is very scary and catching this disease is very scary. And the idea of being a doctor who steps in and lets the patient know like, hey, I know this is a scary time. It's a scary time for all of us, but you know, we're gonna help you get through this. That's something that you know, kind of appeals to me. Wei is currently applying for medical school in the hopes of working in emergency medicine and anesthesiology. Interest in medical schools like the programs Wei is applying to is skyrocketing. The Association of Schools and Programs of Public Health says applications to medical undergraduate programs have more than doubled in the last five years. Denise Hurd is a professor in the School of Public Health at UC Berkeley. The pandemic is causing professors at medical schools to add material to their classes, not just about viruses, but also about social justice. There's a lot of interest in students in COVID-19, but I think more importantly, COVID-19 is sort of highlighting some of the racial and just uh, social inequities that exist in society. For the students in these programs, the pandemic offers real-world examples of the material studied in the classroom. USC biology student Sandy Andres plans to become a physician. Never more than now following the outbreak of COVID-19, medicine was unprepared for this virus, and Andres wants to make sure something like this never happens again. The complexity of COVID and like the lack of preparation, I would say, kind of does give me this sense of I don't want to be placed in that situation in the medical field. So seeing what I can do within the system itself to improve it would probably be something that I'm interested in as well. Andres and students like her are certainly finding a silver lining in the pandemic, using their desire to make a difference to help power through long hours of classes and labs. For Annenberg Media, I'm Savannah Welch. Well, we've had all the introductions. We've had all the pomp and circumstance. We've had all the fuss and feathers. But it's time. It's time for Dodger baseball. Despite a major standoff between players and owners over finances, Major League Baseball was able to resume game play amidst the pandemic. 
This came as a relief to Dodger fans who hoped this season might be the one to lead them to a World Series victory for the first time in 32 years. Olivia Hernandez scored an exclusive interview with a diehard fan, her grandma. A lot of grandmas keep China in their China cabinet, but my grandma, Stella Hernandez, keeps all of her favorite Dodger bobbleheads in her China cabinet. She has them lined up and polishes them. These are her favorite Dodgers. I had a big, big crush on uh, Don Drysdale. Hernandez has rooted for the Dodgers since Lyndon B. Johnson was president. She is a sports fanatic. If there's baseball, you can bet I'm watching baseball. If there's football, you can bet I'm watching football. Yeah. Frank can tell you because he knows how I am. Frank Castillo, who is her relative and fellow Dodgers superfan, said, We used to watch it together yeah. until this damn pandemic. They always watch the games together, but this year's special. This might be the best Dodger team ever, but they worry about the so-called Dodgers curse when they get close to winning the World Series. I don't know. I kind of sometimes I get disappointed because I think that they're going to, and then they don't. Because they've been up how many times, Frank, for to win the World Series? About three times, and they've lost. Well, one time the Astros cheated. Yeah, yeah, the cheaters. Yeah. Stella's still mad about that. Those cheating Astro players. I from the Astros. What the hell's his name? Altuve. Yeah. Oh, I get so pissed off at him. You know. <laughs> This year is probably the best of all recent Dodger teams, says Jeff Ellinger. He teaches sports journalism and commentary and has been a sports analyst for years at USC Edinburgh. Dodgers have gone so long without a championship now, you know, 32 years. I think getting through all that they've had to go through with COVID and all of those hoops to jump through to get to the finish line, I think there's going to be a, a sense of great joy and relief. If the Dodgers win the series, which would be great, but also bittersweet due to COVID, the World Series, no matter who is in it, will be played in Texas. But Stella Hernandez said she'd miss cheering on her lifelong team in a World Series at Dodger Stadium. Sure would, because I want to be there in person to root for them. As they say, root, root, root for the home team, Stella and her cousin Frank plan to watch the series together, six feet apart, of course except for the occasional high five. For Annenberg Media, I'm Olivia Hernandez. Go Dodgers. The Dodgers face off against the Milwaukee Brewers in the first game of the playoffs tonight at 7 p.m. I have a good feeling that Granny will be watching too. That's all from where we are. Today's show is produced by Caroline Cusera, a huge thanks to our reporters, Bam Allen, Alexis Timko, Marissa Zayed. For all of us at Annenberg Media, I'm Fernando Cienfuegos, and we'll see, or rather hear from you next week. Okay.